went through like the whole Fallout Boy discography the other night driving around. <laughs> it's awful. I wonder if that's on my emo forever playlist. <laughs> Fallout Boy. All American oh, rejects. <laughs> my chemical romance. Yeah, you get Jess in the mood. She starts throwing Fallout Boy and uh, Panic at the Disco. Yep. Simple plan, dude. Dude, that's that was us. I think, she, like she said, she didn't. She doesn't know simple, simple plan. plan, but I don't remember simple plan. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to NDNM. <laughs> wow, that was awful. Welcome to New Day, New Movie, the NDNM podcast. <laughs> Here, I'll just finish it out. Don't worry. Where we watch 365 movies in 365 days. I'm Mitch, and he's Scott. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Can I say Christ? Christ. It's week 22. Seven more movies. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. <laughs> Everything will be all right when I'm sitting next to you. I'd rather listen to Fall Out Boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, then Taylor you know, Swift or then to me? Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is a movie podcast, not a music podcast. I sing a lot. If we want a music podcast, we'll have to do something different. Yeah. But I'm happy to do that too. I want to be very good at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, seven more movies. You know the drill. Here we are. Yes, here we are. How are you doing? New week. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm coming off a of spring break, so I'm doing pretty pretty good. I feel I have a feel new, rejuvenated. Yeah, new wave of energy, which yeah. is nice. You know, a refreshed. I was able to like watch a movie and not have to do other work throughout the day, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I saw coaching, but uh, they're good kids. had had some good practices over break. But no trouble. No trouble. We are here in week twenty two. And with our newest segment, what's in the news? I don't have much for you, but I got a few things. Number one, Oscars is this week. So we will know by Nets podcast who won Best Picture. If you listened last week, you'll kind of know who we thought was going to win. Uh, If you haven't heard that, I would go recommend checking it out, trying to figure out our recommendations for Best Picture. Hopefully we're right, but we'll see. Uh, Other things, Tyler, Jess's stepbro who's probably going to be on the podcast in a few weeks. He has been uh, making some pretty incredibly funny memes for some us. pretty dank memes. What sucks is how real they are. And I, I, <laughs> I laugh at how right he is about everything he's posting. So hopefully we can figure out a way to share those with you soon, whether that be on a Reddit page or Instagram or I don't know. We'll figure it out. But I think that'll be something cool to, to share because... I was laughing pretty hard when I when I saw a lot of them. So yeah, if you follow along, yeah, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. <laughs> um, my last thing, and I, I say this is going to be my last public service announcement about this. It oh, probably don't even won't. waste your breath. Don't waste it. Don't waste your breath. If you're going where I think you're going, oh, just, I was I was going there. Just let it go, my man. I can't let it go. That was a terrible movie experience, and I will not let it go. I am spiteful with those people. But that's fine. We can revisit. We've come to expect it at this point, and now we know. 
We had a terrible Saturday movie experience, even though against the advisement of most people saying don't go on Saturday and against our own advice of not going to non-Dolby movies anymore, we didn't have a choice on this one. So we thought, how bad could it be? And uh, the movie gods really stuck it to us. (laughs) It was really bad. (laughs) Which brings me to a little bit of something I want to talk about, and then we can go to our movies of the week. We'll talk. But we'll how talk many more movies later. are we going to miss out on if they're not playing in Dolby? Does Dolby is they're very is exclusive problem. with what they decide well, to it's, play? It's who's got the green, right? Yeah, it's, it's who's, who's got done enough bringing money. the money. Yeah, like apparently Batman. They they decided for the Batman they're going to buy out like three three weeks, weeks of Dolby of Dolby weekends, which is insane considering it seems like for the last since we started doing this, pretty much it's like the, the movie that opened that weekend has Dolby showings that weekend. And you get like six gone. days. Yeah. You get six days. You get Thursday through Wednesday. So maybe seven days. And then that following Thursday, they reset to a new movie. So I don't know. I was just a little worried because there might be a lot of movies I want to see. And I don't know if I'm willing to sit in just a regular theater anymore and watch them because I was very upset leaving that, leaving that movie. It so. was also, I don't want to talk about too much about it right now. I want to talk more about it when we get to the movie because it plays in some, but it was also a small theater. That's true. And I, I don't think those are great when you have people that talk. Yeah. Constantly throughout the entirety of the film. But that's all I'm going to say right now. Anyways. I have some news. Oh, Scott has some news. Before you cut the news. The movie theaters, more movie theater update, have not updated their Morbius trailer. <laughs> okay. That's a lie. Because when we saw the Batman, they played the new one. Did they? They did. They played the new one in the Batman, but in X, they decided to go back to, I think, the first iteration of the Morbius trailer, because I don't think the CGI looked as good, but maybe it's because I was looking at a screen that was not Dolby. (laughs) I don't know. A tiny ass, shitty, (laughs) non-deep black screen. What a joke. Guess what? The projector's still on. (laughs) Yeah, we know. (laughs) We can tell. Uh, we're so cynical (laughs) uh it's hard to go back man when we've been spoiled like we have but anyway last bit of news i have been struggling to finish high rise oh a measly 200 page book scott you were the chosen in the face of the 800 page version of dune that i read in such a short amount of time considering how much i've read in recent years um i have been on page 100 pretty much since like the week I said I finished Dune. I got halfway through it that week, halfway through High Rise that week, and I just haven't had any interest in continuing. And I really don't know why. And it's just, I don't know, it's just not gripping me. Okay, really quick. You've read half the book. Would you say the character development in the first half of the book is better than the movie? Obviously, like you're only halfway through, so you don't really get to see where everything ends up. But I'm just wondering, were they I do think there are more, fleshed out more? There are more things revealed or certain choices they made to the story in the movie that change some of the dynamic a little bit um which i don't want to talk too much about it because we talked about the movie and i haven't finished the book so i don't know but like little things like his sister's still alive in the book Mm. and they actually lived in the high rise before him 
And that was one of the reasons he, he even moved went away that, after his right? divorce was like, I'll try the high rise life kind of thing. And, and so like that first party they're at in the movie, that was his sister throwing the party, Ooh. which is why he was there. Right. Uh, I gotcha. So it's just, I don't know. There, there's a few more things that I thought really made it feel a little better or make more sense, I guess. But at the same time, I think maybe part of it not being interesting is the way that it's written isn't as engaging to me. And also... It doesn't seem so far different enough for me to think I don't know what's happening in the story. Okay. But I hate to think that too, because I've seen Dune. I've seen the original Dune. And now you've read the book. And you're I know what happens in the story kind of thing, but that didn't detract from me wanting to know what happened next in the book. But this one feels like I know the movie. I kind of know what the point is and where it's going. And so I just kind of, I don't know. I've been struggling. Okay. Well, here's the good news on that. We have 30 episodes left for you to finish the 100 yeah, pages. Yeah, well, that's, so that's what I was going to say. Is, <laughs> it's just not gripping me as much, and I haven't been sleeping well after my nightly reading, seeing as there hasn't been any yeah. nightly reading. So I'm shelving it for now. I, I put it away and I have so many books that I, I really want to read and this one just isn't cutting it for me at the moment. So I've started Foundation by Isaac Asimov and I'm very much enjoying it. And that's that's all I have to say about that. And that's so. what's in the all right, so after that long-ass intro, uh, here are the movies of the week. So on Monday, we started off with Mayhem. Tuesday, The Atom Project. Wednesday, Riders of Justice. Thursday, In the Heat of the Night. Friday, The White Tiger. Saturday, Deep Water. And on Sunday, X. And we are back to Scott Pitch 3. I picked 3. Yes, Oscar week was the anomaly. And we are back to our new rule. And this week... I'm happy to say that Mitch did better. Yeah! <laughs> Woo! Let's go! That's what we like to hear. <laughs> Let's see if he can keep it up. I, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I've used the list. Yes, I noticed that. I have That's used incredible. the list. That spits in the face of one of my favorite memes Tyler's made. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I saw the meme and I knew I needed to... Is that what I need to do for criticism for you? I need to frame it in a meme format. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I take constructive feedback is through memes, specifically on Reddit or <laughs> some sort of mobile device. So. Oh, shit. Uh, but no, uh, starting off on Monday is Mayhem, and that was Scott's pick of the week, so I'll let you go ahead and jump into that synopsis. Indeed, it was Mayhem. Try not to fuck it up this time. Mayhem tells the story of a virus that infects a corporate law office on the day attorney Derek Cho is framed by a coworker and wrongfully fired. The infection is capable of making people act out their wildest impulses. Trapped in the quarantined building, our hero is forced to savagely fight tooth and nail for not only his job, but his life. Dun, dun, dun. I really fucking enjoyed this. I think we needed something light and maybe a little cathartic violence coming off of Oscar week. Oh, absolutely. This was the ticket, man. <laughs> no, this was great. And this movie was so ahead of its time. I mean, quarantines, <laughs> viruses, lockdowns, like, holy shit, this movie was insane. Except the virus made people, like, act on everything that their mind told them not to do. So it just became, like... Like their inhibitions were gone. Yeah. They had no filter. They had no... They just, they like... Intensely angry. Killed each other. Beat the shit, beat the shit out of each, each other. <laughs> fucked. I mean, it was, it was oh, insane. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. But all in a, in a corporate setting. 
Yes. Which was really fucking funny. So funny enough, you mentioned High Rise. This movie to me felt like Kimmy met High Rise. Like Kimmy with like the whole COVID quarantine type thing. And then High Rise, you have social classes living kind of in this building where you have like the high managerial staff at the very top, right? And then everybody trickled down throughout the lower levels and you kind of had to have certain key cards to access those levels. And I mean, this to me was a much better movie than High Rise. Like I actually understood what was going on and, you know, characters had motivations for good reasons. And, but no, this was, this was absolutely off the rails. Yeah. But like you said, it was such a good post Oscar heavy week of movies. Cause this was just like, you could sit back. This was like a. Not have to pay too much attention and just watch people, like you said, beat the shit out of each yeah. other. It was so emotionally satisfying after a week of emotionally draining movies. I remembered why it also reminded me of Kimmy. The giant ass nail gun. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was like, yeah. there's all these little things that were like making me <laughs> reference these things. So sorry, I had to get that out because I totally forgot. Oh, the nail gun was great. Yeah. No, I think this was an awesome pick. Um, I had no idea this movie even existed. I had seen of it a long time ago and then it went to Shudder mm-hmm. exclusively. It's a Shudder original, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and so I just never... Like the only time I've ever had Shudder, which I don't know why, because I've thought about it before, but I just haven't been able to justify like having a service of only horror movies. Yeah. But when we did Halloween week yep. for our, our opening week and we tried it, I feel like we just watched everything that we were able we kind to, of yeah, wanted, wanted to. to. And I've kind of forgot about this. So then when I remembered, I think I remembered the next week and put it on our list and it's just been sitting there. And then- we decided to, now that we know, AMC Plus has all of Shudder stuff. Hmm. I have a confession. What? I still pay for Shudder. Do you still pay for Shudder? And I watch this on Shudder. (laughs) Mayhem was an awesome movie. (laughs) Back to that. Uh, I like Steven Yun. I like Samara Weaving. Mm -hmm. And the two of them together was fucking great. And this movie was fucking great. And I don't even know if I have more to say about it. Like, I just, this was just, exactly what i wanted and why i picked it and i just oh so happy this is kind of a hard movie to talk about because it's pretty straightforward it's like an eight hour lockdown in a building where essentially there's the company that he works at actually like did a like a case where they defended somebody who had the virus and killed somebody and they got him off by saying that it was you know the virus and they get His inhibitions were lowered, right? So everybody in the back of their mind working at this office knows that whatever they do during this eight-hour period, they will be able to essentially use that case. Yeah, it's a law firm. So yeah. they're like, ah, oh, well, we have proof that we are no longer liable, liable for, our for our actions for the next till the end of quarantine. So the whole thing is you set a timer for the countdown until when the quarantine is lifted after the virus half-life or gestation period or whatever you want to call it. So that's that's the whole the whole movie is just trying to get in all of the the revenge and violence before the timer is up pretty much. But I mean it's pretty straightforward. It's a it's a great little like violent fuck you to law firms and corporate bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I mean like there's it's not, you know, it wasn't You can't overthink deep. it. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, there's <laughs> it's just it is what it is and it was, you know, either you enjoy watching it and watching people shoot nails at people across the room while everyone in between is like you said either having sex on a desk or lighting shit on the fire shit out of someone or 
It, yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was bonkers. But, no, uh, it, was it was a good, good start time. to the week. I, I enjoyed the movie. I really appreciated that I didn't have to do any deeper interpretation of what I watched. It was just sit back and hit play. Let it run its course, just like the virus in the movie. Yeah, like uh, how I hoped our next movie would be. Just a brain shut off and, and enjoy the ride. But it was The Atom Project. So this was one of my picks. <laughs> Of course, because, you know, Netflix pushed it on me. Netflix has a new Ryan Reynolds movie. What the fuck do you think Mitch is going to pick? Hey, it was number one on Netflix, okay? It had to be better than the number four on Netflix. Every movie that just came out on Netflix is number one The Weekend Away was not number one. I know, that's pretty sad. (laughs) The bar for number one on Netflix on release week is so low, and that couldn't even meet it. Holy shit. All right, so The Adam Project. Adam Reed, age 12, and still grieving the sudden death of his father a year earlier, walks into his garage one night to find a wounded pilot hiding there. This mysterious pilot turns out to be the older version of himself from the future, where time travel is in its infancy. He has risked everything to come back in time on a secret mission. Together, they must embark on an adventure into the past to find their real father, set things right, and save the world. The three working together, both young and grown, Adam comes to term with the loss of their father and have a chance to heal the wounds that have shaped them. Adding to the challenge of the mission, the two Adams discover that they really don't like each other very much, and if they're going to save the world, they're first going to have to figure out how to get along. I honestly didn't think this was too bad. I had assumed. I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was terrible. I think it was really bad. (laughs) I didn't think it was too bad. Oh, the de-aging. Okay, that was one of my biggest gripes. Why did they do that? The deep fake Catherine Keener was terrible. It looked so bad. Like they tried, like you said, they tried to de-age her. It did not work at all. And then like they even made her like sound different. And I don't know, it was it was really like early stage deep fake, like what you would see on YouTube. And that's what ended up in this movie. I think I've seen deep fakes on YouTube that are better than Oh that. yeah, it's come a f- long way, which is insane as to why this did not work out and for cons- this. Considering the money that you could tell they've had behind this movie with the fact that the entire movie was CGI. I was going to say, if you look comparatively to the rest of the film... I mean, you obviously like they did spend a lot of money yeah. on their visual effects, and it and some for of most it of them was pretty good. Yeah, yeah pretty a lot good. of it. I thought the fighting, like the, his his stupid lightsaber stick thing, Darth like, Maul when lightsaber he, when he like hits the ground to bounce himself up and then that pop was the cool. guy. Like yeah. that was sick. I was yeah. like, okay, that was pretty cool, right? I had some laughs. I had you know it was a good it was a good brain shutter offer, but it it hit a point for me that I just I don't know, man. That every I didn't Ryan hate Reynolds it and I wasn't angry. I was just like, all right, like you didn't have to get this stupid. <laughs> I feel like though, this was just a because like Marvel's dragging their feet on getting Deadpool into the MCU. I feel like there's just going to be a slew of movies where they're just like you said, how now we've got The Rock as like we've got the, we've got the whole DC thing where they're trying to tie it all together. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be people that are just like, hey, we got Deadpool and the Hulk in a movie. What do you think? <laughs> you know there's going to be more purpose behind that, though. But yeah, people uh, are going to lose know, their but... shit whenever Deadpool enters any Marvel movie. Yeah, Which there has the been Hulk rumors of dead. Doctor Strange 2. Of Deadpool being in it? Yeah, there's I mean, rumors. Multiverse shit. Yeah, so we'll see. Anything could happen. Wait, the whole... Oh, you're st- I got your joke, you douche. <laughs> Did see, you not get it? I got it. 
See, when I watched this movie, I just thought it was a sequel to 13 Going on 30. <laughs> that too, man. Mark Evan, Ruffalo Evan is married Mark to Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> yes. It's a weird sequel to 13 Going on 30. 30 and Going also, on 13. you find out that Deadpool was, was <laughs> fathered by the Hulk. It's really op- an eye-opening look into the MCU. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I didn't I, catch it too late. I'm I, <laughs> I do have to say, like we said, some of the CGI looked really good and some of it was pretty cool, but a lot of it just seemed like just because. And I got a vibe later in this movie, like the second half, mm-hmm. that I was very unsurprised to find out that this was a Sean Levy movie uh, who was responsible for Free Guy. Yeah, one of your favorites. <laughs> um all of the night at the museums, date night, the uh, Tina Fey and Steve Carell movie. He is a big S- real steal. Which I like. I love that movie. They're That's making really another one. They're making a sequel. Ooh, I didn't know coming that. out in the next couple of years. Hopefully, I don't I ruin it. Thing. Uh, the 2006 Pink Panther and the Cheaper by the Dozens, or at least the first one. Well, he's also so a his producer on is, Stranger Things, the internship, He's, he's produced plenty, but I mean, uh, you know, just because he threw money at him doesn't mean I, I attributed to him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying his track record is all over the place for me, right? But this, this seeing that he was recently responsible for Free Guy, this made a lot of sense. And it just seemed like, I don't know, like it was just recreating the whole like chase scene from Star Wars. Or The Incredibles, or all those movies that have that exact. I think that's chase the point, though, scene. is that it was supposed to it's supposed to be going to one of reference. the memes, but nostalgia. Yep, oh, hit the good button. Yep, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It felt very uh, like '80s, like Back to the Future, Star Wars, like had those vibes kind of going for me. Of just maybe, what about all the sappy, forced emotional crap? I feel like if I went back and rewatched those, there's probably sappy emotional <laughs> crap in those movies too yeah but it i don't know man i i just just recreating that just to recreate that again i you know all right so hey, I do, this I week have a question this week nostalgia you. good we'll just leave it at that i have a question for you go for it the internet is very hit and miss or indecisive as to Shocking. the child actor okay i personally felt like he was coming on too strong ryan reynolds vibes but some people felt he hit it on the on the fucking head no he he felt like a kid that was coached into being ryan reynolds as a kid in a movie where he so you felt ryan he, you felt he did good playing ryan reynolds in a movie playing himself no i felt he or did, was it too i felt he did too as much what a kid who was coached into being ryan reynolds in a movie would be okay <laughs> so no is that actually ryan reynolds as a kid didn't buy it but was he exactly what you would expect from Hollywood saying, you're going to play this Ryan Reynolds character as a kid? Yeah, I think I think he nailed the over-the-top shitty okay. role that they were See, that's what I was wondering, because like, like I said, the, the internet was indecisive about it. I felt it was too much. Like It was. I could see like the comical, like sarcasticness that Ryan Reynolds has, and then the kid just felt like asshole, saying a lot of his lines or doing whatever he was. Which I guess there's a you know a gray area between those two things. Sure, and you know you learn to hone your skills as you get older. I guess is an argument you could make. 
But no, I was just only bringing that up because there was an article that I read about him that he said, uh, the kid who played the, the young Ryan Reynolds, that his favorite movies growing up were Deadpool. So like for him to encompass- Man, that's such a weird thing to think yes, about. Yes, I know. Your favorite movie growing up was Deadpool. How old is this kid? What, did he watch Deadpool when he was fucking nine? Anyways- that was just a little tidbit that I had read about that. So. Interesting. Um, my last thing about this movie, and I feel like we can uh, probably hit it, move on. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that ending when Sorian killed her younger self because of an electromagnet bullet? That falls under the things where I said, <laughs> got a little too stupid for me <laughs> to give a shit anymore and think that it was just a brain shutter offer movie to enjoy the dumb over the topness to be fair that I just, was way too fucking stupid for it, me it was but to be fair i i guess i would have liked i do like that ending better than had she jumped in front of the bullet herself like every cliche would say she would of when she goes to shoot sure. them and the younger sure. self's like no and then everything yeah. happens the same way it did i mean you could smell it coming but the way they did it just felt so it was yeah it was ridiculous, ridiculous. To be fair, though, they did follow it up uh, with the the heartfelt uh, play catch with their dad scene. So, yeah. you know, you can't play catch until they disappear. You know, throw the ball a little far. Oh, I got to go get it. And then he yeah. turns around and they're gone. they're gone. Thanos snapped him out of existence. I don't know, Goodbye, man. I Deadpool. just, I felt like uh, a lot of that fell under, like I said, there, there's just the emotional stuff in this movie felt so, look, it's emotional. Be, be emotional with the movie. It's a fun action movie, but it's emotional. Like any scene with Zoe Saldana. What? Like, what? I don't know. They just they What's didn't the build South any Park of that shit up with, at all. Uh, they didn't. It just. With the, the lice. What's her name? <laughs> Kelly. 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 That's kind of how I baby. <laughs> reminded me of <laughs> Zoe Saldana and <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. But I mean, this wasn't, wasn't going to be a, <laughs> a great, deep, emotional movie. It I like wasn't how they kicked be. the kid out and they're like, all right, we're going to just do it here on the table and then. <laughs> just act like we didn't and we'll just be by a campfire in the next scene <laughs> uh man i was meant to ask you about your thoughts on this because i have a new segment for you oh scott's thoughts scott's thoughts yeah so i think later down the road oh uh, we might get sued by expedia for that because that's how they say the dot com huh oh or the office scott's thoughts what a oh, shit what a terrible fucking episode <laughs> All right, moving on. And that was... <laughs> well, what is my segment? No, Scott's thoughts. What were thoughts. you going to ask? Oh, oh, I thought you had something to ask It was me. more of just like on the thoughts of the movie. But if I have specific questions like I did earlier, that's when the segment should have happened. I got you. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Well, we'll keep that in mind and see if we encounter that again in this episode. So that was The Adam Project. And this is Writers of Justice. On Wednesday. Wednesday. Another Mads movie. He's just... He's just a saint. It zudes. Excellence. <laughs> Marcus, a deployed military man, has gone... Has to... Fuck... Oh, shit. Here we go again. Marcus, a deployed military man, has to go home to his teenage daughter, Matilde. I think it's Matilde. When his wife dies in a tragic train accident, it seems to be plain bad luck, but it turns out that it might have been a carefully orchestrated assassination, which his wife ended up being a random casualty of. I love Mads. Dude, he's the I fucking love Mads. man. I love Mads' movies. He's just not involved in bad movies. He's so he cool. just refuses to be involved with bad cinema. And he elevates the good cinema that he chooses to be in even more than it already was being a decent movie itself. This was sh- surprising to me. 
Okay. And when the the thing happens that is revealed in the synopsis, when the, his wife dies in the train accident. I was going to say, when are we caring about spoilers? <laughs> that well, I mean, they already it already ruins it, right? And I I almost would highly recommend going to see this before listening to any more of this. If you want to watch this, it's on Hulu. Um, which brings me into Hulu has this listed as comedy action. Did you did you catch that? Boy, is that misleading. Okay, I did not catch that. But this is a movie I watched the trailer for. What? And it shows his wife dying in a train accident on the in trailer. The trailer. In the trailer, really? So, so the trailer ruins it too? Yeah. Fucking trailer. It's not a really big... Uh, it's, it's not a big It's secret. not a... Yeah. It's not That's well fair. Kept. So just to but go back to your synopsis. Thing. If you are someone who's just looking for something, and I have examples of this, one being myself, this, is, this says comedy action. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting this movie to be what it was. And also, this is because Devin, my friend Devin and I, have talked about Mads in the past. This was also on his. He actually texted me last week and said he had just watched it. And this had been on our list already. Yeah. So I was like, I'm throwing it on. I'm accelerating this week because I have the choice. I have the power. (laughs) (laughs) He-man. And so uh, I threw this on there and he basically said the same thing. He said he's, he's interested to see what we have to say about it. And he was not expecting what it was at all either. Because comedy action to me, is very, very misleading. I would say The Atom Project is more of a comedy action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comedy action, sci-fi, I this, would say. This is a comedy. This is a comedy, albeit a very dark comedy. Yeah, there's... But it is a comedy. Some dark humor. And I laughed sure. out loud multiple times. There's some funny shit in this. But an action movie? I mean, there's some action in it, technically, but nah. Not even close, baby. This is not an action movie. This is a drama this would be comedy drama, and I, I don't know. Drama would have been the more apt genre to include with comedy, I think. And I think that people coming to this and seeing it and wanting to give it a shot and feeling like it's comedy action might be very disappointed, right? Now, do I think anyone would be disappointed watching this movie regardless? Hell no. This movie was fucking incredible. Did you love this movie? I really did love this movie. This was an excellent To be movie. fair, I didn't go in with... It's so weird being on the other side of the roles being reversed. Of it's not like, having the expectation. you had an expectation <laughs> that was not met, but I I knew exactly what I was well, getting into because of the trailer. Like, it set the tone. Everything that happens throughout the first, I don't know, like 45 minutes in the movie is in the trailer. Like, it shows all of that. Okay. It shows the car or the train accident. It shows, you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. Like, I knew it was going to be some sort of, like, revenge style story of these people killed my wife. Now I'm going to go and kill them. And I knew all of the little things. Sure. Knowing all of that, though, I really did enjoy this movie. Uh, I I think what sold this movie for me, besides Mads just being an awesome dude, an incredible actor, and really he does not get enough enough appreciation, but the score. Yes. The score on this movie was so good. And like part of me was thinking like, man, I wish I would have saw that in like theaters or Dolby. Yeah. Even had a soundbar on my TV. I'm sure that would have made such a huge impact because what I heard from just the TV volume was incredible. So I couldn't imagine having like some subwoofer and all of that because it it was so good, dude. Yeah. I, I, I mean, all of the sound in this, I thought, because there's scenes where it's you know, quiet and emotional mm-hmm. and, you know, but, th- but that's really a, a driving thing in the movie is some of the silence. Yep. And it's also something that he frequently gets angry about not having <laughs> the silence around him. But essentially these three scientists, long story short, these three goofy scientists, right? They're quirky guys. They are statisticians, I guess. 
Yeah, they're doing like a kind of like a people study. Yeah, they have, but they have this this software, this algorithm to try and find correlations in in statistical data, right? And that's kind of how it starts, and they get fired from that. But that's all whatever irrelevant. And so one of them was on the train with Mads's wife and daughter daughter and so he's kind of the he's kind of the reason that she died he survives the accident but he gave his seat up to the mom so he feels guilty and he's kind of grappling with that which is really what this whole fucking movie about is about is just like grappling with trauma yeah i mean in all forms it goes so intense with like the daughter when she has the post-it notes up on her room of saying every decision that led to her mom dying with it being the car wouldn't start her dad wasn't coming home uh i mean there's just this huge like her you know even the guy giving up his seat for her i mean there's this huge long list and then he tries tries to i think that's the point where he realizes like it was out of their control it was a realization for himself also as well as pointing out to her that because he's like doesn't matter if you you know it's an infinite there's infinite possibilities exactly yeah but i i don't know it really was i i really don't want to talk that much more about the story just because i think it should be watched yeah, it's a good story. Not speaking too much about things, but the ending sequence in the film was absolutely wild. And since we're not getting too much into the story, that's what I'll, I'll leave it at. But I had a big old grin on my face <laughs> during that final uh, sequence at the house. Yeah, so. it, and it just, it brings you back and forth. It's a movie to sit back and, and enjoy, but also it's very deep. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel super overworked at the end of this, like something like fucking power of the dog or some shit where i just felt like exhausted because it's like i I know it's trying to bring this out of me kind of thing right after oscars week it hit all the emotions enough perfectly right it was enough to be because it was kind of a lighter look at things but also at the same time they hit points where they just you're at your lowest of low and you start to question i mean they question what they're doing They've, they've justified everything they're doing and then is that right and it's just i don't know it's a back and forth the whole movie on well i think the movie does well like leaving enough up to interpretation as to how you would like to feel about it maybe with your own morals and things like that because you do see pretty human reactions to things and like at some point the scientists you know have to make a decision to kill somebody and they have a very kind of all three of them different reactions but all very like very believable believable and and realistic yeah and you can see like if you not you but you know, a person was put into the situation, would you be able to pull the trigger? Does the bad actually outweigh the good? And there's so many, you know, yeah. moral decisions that the they have to make. And, and the, yeah. yeah. You kind of hit it on the head that this movie is, it's kind of light, but very deep with meaning if you want to get to that more. If you want to take it to that level, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's, it's kind it's, of. It's, it's a hard movie to talk about and not talk about the stuff that I feel like we both want to talk about. Trying to not talk about, trying to be vague with this movie which we're not i mean right we talk about spoilers all the time and but i just feel like well, I, think that I brings... don't know I, I i don't feel like i can convey how good and enjoyable this movie was for what it was without you just seeing it kind of right it's one of those where it's like i can't explain to you the premise telling you the premise of this movie doesn't tell you about the movie necessarily yeah. it's so much deeper than that well i feel like we hit a movie like this every few weeks 
where, you know, we're never trying to necessarily sway one way or the other as to like recommend something, but you know, we think it's a good movie when we're not willing to really dive deep into what happens in the story because- Yeah, the less we talk about it, I feel like is just more Like we want you to see it because it's- it's We can't put into words the movie. You just got to see the movie, right? You just, the movie speaks for itself. That's true. Watch it, right? It's kind of like Coda too, or like, I don't know, any of these, these movies with a, with a really heavy emotional undertone, mm, but, but the movie it. itself isn't necessarily, doesn't feel like a heavy movie, but no, it says a lot. Overly complex, like everything, I think, you know, grounded is a word we throw out a lot, but mm-hmm. you but know. But it says a lot. Yeah. It sticks to the world that it's built. The characters live within that world and everything is very realistic, relatable, and it, it makes sense. Not to say that, you know, this might happen, but you know, you never know. I don't know. Just go, just watch it. It's on Hulu. Have Hulu. Watch have Hulu. Watch, watch, fucking watch Writers of Justice. Just fucking, just watch it. Be like great acting, cinematography, writing. Oh, cinematography. It was great writing the the dialogue everything just the conversations between storytelling people. even so with important. the quirky scientists of like they're really goofy awkward uncomfortable guys that don't have normal conversation but it still all felt so normal and natural and you you learn so much about them without just being outright like the way things are revealed about people's pasts and it, it, it's just i yeah, don't know it's not it was spoon incredible. fed to you it's, it's not shoved down your throat like things just, just naturally are given But no, great movie, Writers of Justice, and moving into another great movie, at least in my opinion. I haven't heard Scott's opinion on this. Jess, put in a clip of the song. Boom, done. So on Thursday, in the heat of the night, uh, Detective Virgil Tibbs is caught up in the racial tension of the U.S. South when he is arrested after the murder of a prominent businessman. Tibbs was simply waiting for his next train at the station in Sparta, Mississippi, and the confusion is soon resolved. But when local police chief Gillespie learns that Tibbs is the Philadelphia's PD's number one homicide expert, he reluctantly asks for his assistance. The murdered man, Mr. Colbert, had come to Sparta from the north to build a new factory and his wife and business associates immediately point the finger at end the most powerful man in the county and the one who had the most to lose if a major new employer comes to the area. Tibbs' life is clearly in danger, but he perseveres in a highly charged and racially explosive environment until the killer is found. So this was one of my picks from 31 Days of Oscars on HBO Max, and I thought this movie was absolutely fantastic. Um, according to Wikipedia, movie is accredited with being nominated for seven Oscars, winning five of them, including Best Picture and Best Actor for Steeder. Uh, the quote, they call me Mr. Tibbs, was listed as number 16 on the American Film Institute's 100 Years, <laughs> 100 Movie Quotes, a list of top film quotes. Film also appears on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movies, a list of the 100 greatest movies in American cinema. In 2002, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being pulled historically and aesthetically significant this movie has quite the claim to it and an equally decorated actor to go with it Sidney poitier god dude is amazing he 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 just passed away in january did you know that i didn't january of this year but yes the first african-american actor to win the academy award for best actor Uh, a very accomplished man a long list of awards Mm -hmm. like you just read about the movie i could do the same for him uh and it pains me to say that i have seen Pretty much none of his movies. Yeah, I was looking through the list and I haven't seen most of his films. And I think I've added quite a few. To the list. To the list. Um, but but one of them being, there's also a 1970 sequel to this. Is there? Called They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah, with Martin Landa. Okay. So I, I would happily watch that. So this movie was probably such a controversial movie at the time. At the time, yeah, I'm sure. Um, because the Civil Rights Act was enacted in 1964. Then a book called In the Heat of the Night came out in 1965. And then this movie came out in 1967. And even though, you know, the Civil Rights Law was in place, I'm sure there's a population of America who had not really come to terms with the new Civil Rights Movement. The thing that is spoken about this movie pretty much the most out of anything I've read about it is that Sidney Poitier slaps a white man on screen. And the director was quoted saying like he didn't know the reaction to the slap because he thought people might find it comical that a black man would hit a white person. But when he heard the gasps in the theater and that's when he knew his mo- his movie was actually a drama as he intended it to be. And that was something cool that I had read about all of that. Again, going into like great movies and what makes them great storytelling. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like the storytelling, the tension built in this film was just absolutely incredible because like both parties had some sort of prejudice and they were, you know, obviously they had their own preconceived notions as to how the other person is or who they are. And it was interesting to see how the characters started to accept one another for being themselves versus who they, you know, imagined them to be. But going into Scott's thoughts, what what are your thoughts on this movie? I'm following yours, trying to find a spot where I don't have an overlapping thing to say. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you've hit it all. This was this was great, and just to see, I don't know. There's something about these relationships the way that they're portrayed then Mm -hmm. right where it's something so different from now from what you know a good amount of people know right who don't experience any i don't know how to say this fucking just seeing the their relationship him and him and gillespie throughout the movie i don't fucking know what to fucking say i mean i don't know i don't know if this would have been as good without the two leads if they were anyone else i think is something that i do feel like i agree with that the the way that they interacted with each other and and grew that relationship and also just the i don't know sydney poitier just has a has a way of when he talks to people in in the movie being i don't know he's got that badass undertone in the movie of the the confidence and in himself kind of thing but but also like the hesitation of like where's the situation going just sells that so well and i don't know he just he puts himself <laughs> in some shitty situations yeah it was pretty wild um, he's got some balls as uh as Tib- tibbs has some balls <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I like I said I had never heard of this movie until like you know a couple of weeks ago. I said the whole like HBO is doing yeah, the Thirty One Days movies. of Oscars, and this was one of the movies that was, I think it was their second. It was March second or something was the day that this movie came on, and I had clicked on it and I had read the synopsis for it, which kind of got me thinking about like Forty Eight Hours, which is a movie we watched early in the podcast about like an unlikely pairing of people coming together to do detective work. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in that movie, it's, you know, a police officer and an inmate where these are, you know, a police officer and a detective or a homicide investigator come together. But the discrepancy is of the time period, right? Around a time where not everybody was seen as equal and, you know, a black man having the same respect as a white man. That was a huge controversial thing in this film. I don't know. It was just... Yeah, it was just him having that profession. Yes. Like was a... And that's crazy to think what you said earlier about not knowing how this was going to be received, whether it be a comedy or... A, a drama. A drama. Because it could be taken, if you think of it from 
from that perspective of just the, you know, at the time, the people who thought how unbelievable, you know, the people probably thought how unbelievable this was. Yeah. It's just crazy. I was really glad I stumbled upon it. Like, I'm pretty happy that HBO Max was doing that whole 31 Days of Oscars just because now knowing like how acclaimed this movie is and probably the milestones that it set in cinema and everything, it was pretty incredible to watch. Did you watch this with anyone? Mm-mm. So I'd watch this with Kristen and the first thing that she had kind of said was just how fantastic Sidney Poitier was as an actor. That dude was phenomenal. He stole every scene that he was in. And like you said, it was just such a weird confidence that he exuded all eyes like he commanded the room it you was a, got so much out of him without him having to like i don't know say it was almost like in his silence and his facial expressions mm-hmm. and you could tell what he was feeling and what he was going he, he just i don't know many that i i think many actors that i've seen do that where you're following their internal kind of feelings in the situation but they're not outwardly saying or doing anything dramatic or drastic yeah so you said you looked into him a little bit. Are you? Did you find where these other movies are streaming, or is it? No, I just I was just looking at the some of his yeah through the list of his his filmography and and what uh, I mean he even he directed quite a few movies as well. I don't know if you saw that. One of them being the Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movie Stir Crazy, ah, which I have not seen. Another one I don't know why I haven't seen it, but he directed that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's a, that's a big cast of people in that movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just looking through and, and I just saw quite a few. I mean, it seems like his most renowned is Lilies of the Field was one I saw talked about quite a bit. And that's the one I believe he won Best Actor for. Okay. But no, I didn't. I haven't yet looked into where these are. I mean, there's there's quite a few of them that seem good enough that if we got to rent them, we got to rent them. Yeah, I think having more of his films in the future is going to be awesome because I really enjoyed this last one i thought he did an incredible job i'd be interested like you said to watch some of the stuff that he produced or directed or whatever was it directed and he involved yeah he directed quite a few yeah another excellent movie that i think um deserves a watching especially if it's in the united states national film registry by the library of congress so definitely a historical piece in cinema i'm glad we were able to get a viewing of it so thanks hbo max yeah thanks for putting those movies up it's good to know that the Oscars used to really, truly mean quality movies. Anyway. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday, so. We don't, but. We have an ideal. It was a good fucking movie. I enjoyed yeah. it. So Thursday. Friday. Fuck. So moving into Friday, we watched a, a my pick. <laughs> <laughs> a pick a pick by moi the white tiger on netflix balram hawaii narrates his epic and darkly humorous rise from poor villager to successful entrepreneur in modern india cunning and ambitious our young hero jockeys his way into becoming a driver for ashok and pinky who have just returned from america society has trained balram to be one thing a servant so he makes himself indispensable to his rich masters but after a night of betrayal he realizes the corrupt lengths that they will go to trap him and save themselves on the of losing everything, Balram rebels against a rigged and unequal system to rise up and become a new kind of master. I thought this was a really good movie as well. I enjoyed this as well. This was based on a book. Yes. As so many movies these days are. I mean, our last one was. Which we'll talk, one and, and our next <laughs> one is too. And, yeah. I, this was, 
This was crazy, man. This movie was crazy. Like I didn't, did you know about the caste system in India? In India, no. And I thought this movie did a really good job depicting like the class divide between the masters and the servants, which we'll get into in a little bit, but continue your thought. Well, I mean, that was, I just wanted to ask you about that because I I had no idea and not knowing anything about it, it was, I'm sure there were aspects that were exaggerated, right? But just the social relations in India and I, I read the, the caste system is also practiced in, I think, Thailand and Bali okay. and other, other in the area. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just, I don't know. That's crazy. It is crazy. I, I, I had no clue that that was an actual, like there's unspoken tiers of, of social ranks, I guess, in a lot of different places and wherever. But for them to, like, I didn't realize it was still a thing where like you are identified by your caste. Yeah. And that's something that he addressed is quite a bit of what is his terminology with it like are you the man with the belly or the you know oh yeah i don't remember what he actually said but something along those lines of like he had plenty little sayings yes to to, uh to paint a picture of everything so this was crazy so this movie took a turn yes halfway through which is something i should have seen coming but i disregarded essentially like the film opens up with ballroom in the backseat of the car being driven by priyanka chopra jonas and raju Raj Kumar Rao, uh, who play Ashok and Pinky, but it essentially follows kind of like that whole Sunset Boulevard thing where like the story lines like, probably wondering how I got here. Yeah, it pulled one of those. So then it cycles back to explain like Ballroom's life and his journey to the point in the film, which again, I had completely forgot like he was even sitting in the backseat of this car. Yeah, by the time you get back there, so much has happened. You just just kind of disregard it. It's now a, you're like, oh, this is where it happened. Okay. I see. Um, so kind of like when we were talking about Sunset Boulevard, I knew what to expect, but you didn't. So when it circled back, like you were, you know, caught off guard. I was caught off guard with this where like we got back to that point and then she hits the kid with the car and shit took a way south turn. The whole tone Shifted. of the movie <laughs> changes at that point. Like it's a huge shift. But that goes into my conversation about like how they were depicting the class divide between the masters and the servants, because up until that point, they were kind of showing like empathetic vibes towards ballroom and they were accepting of him as a person and it seemed like they were better than being masters because they're like don't call me sir like you're like our equal type mentality but as soon as that happens like they're so quick to throw him under the bus and yeah, protect themselves to save themselves that you can tell like there was never that was never their intention at all to show him respect like they always viewed him as lower or less equal to them when you think about that type of person who who believes they're better than everyone how much of that and i think there's a lot of that in all societies relevant today of feeling responsible or or acting a certain way like they were they were showing empathy and showing that you know their relationship was more friends than master servant Mm -hmm. as it normally was but how much of that was a facade them making themselves feel better yeah right it was them feeling like they were better it was almost like a like an even fuller circle of them feeling Feeling like they were better than his parents, right? His his dad and his brother who were running the show there or whatever. They were even 
It's like another tier of feeling like you're better than others makes you act sympathetic towards the lower tier of people below the people that you even think you're... It's just such a weird social relationships and things, interactions. Another thing I loved in this movie was how much they depict... I mean, everyone in this movie was shitty, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, of course, I'm sure you have plenty of people who argue Balram, what he was born into, put him that way kind of thing. But it's just kind of... I don't know. This is such a weird like nature of man kind of movie because when he gets that point where he's moving up he's being the best servant which is such a low like by our our standards here right that's such a low goal but he has no problem throwing the other guy who you know the 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 driver number number one one. yeah driver number one yeah and throwing him under the bus and and blackmailing him to leave to exactly and then i like that scene where he's like going off on the the beggar old lady in the street once they get to uh where, where'd they end up going delhi delhi yeah. yeah once they get to delhi and he's there and he's like walking on the street and the type of people that he just came from back home and then he just flips out on her and i don't know it just it was interesting that they didn't shy away from showing the gritty negatives of everyone they it didn't feel too because i feel like there's a lot of movies that touch on similar things like this or show similar kind of stories or especially these like kind of rags to riches type tales right that they they romanticize things a little too much but i like the fact that they let him which i think worked with his narrating everything yeah they let him romanticize the things so you see it in his own flawed kind of view of of everything from his perspective too so it's just this big jumble. But what's nice about it during the narration, though, is that he's at least aware of the bad things that he, he's done. Like, he talks about, like, you know, this next part I don't want to tell you, but it's part of my story, and I need to share it. But, you know, and I'm not proud of this, is kind of things that he says, like the whole thing of becoming driver number one, or the way that he treated people that was, you know, essentially his same cast. You know, how quickly he is to feel because he's believed he's moved up, you know, that he can treat people beneath him in a lower aspect. And yeah, every one of these characters definitely had their flaws. And I think they showed it well. Every now and then people had some sort of praise about them, but God, I I couldn't stand a lot of of the actions people were willing to make in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like Pinky was my least favorite character in this movie. Yeah, what Especially a because she was like, bitch. she's from New York. She understands that it's not right, but she has no problem falling right into the standards of I'm better than you. You are my servant. You do what I say. But then at the same time of like, no, but you're my friend. Don't ever yeah, do this. She's such, such a, a manipulative like, bitch. Yeah, especially that scene where he comes in and he brings him, she's with one of her friends or some shit in the in the penthouse and he brings him tea yeah and she's like what the fuck are you doing like you scratched your balls and you're filthy and you smell like, bad why, do, and why like are just... you like this why are you just just belittling the shit out of him in front of the other person but then like the second they leave she turns around and she's like what do you want to do with your life you yeah. could be you could do so much more why don't like, you get an education it's just why so don't... i don't know yeah i god oh it hurts me so bad it's just like, like everything the way. that could be wrong with people everyone in this movie had one of those characteristics <laughs> i mean there, there's a lot there's a lot of message in this movie and i think what detracts away for me a little bit was it wasn't very subtle at times you felt things were forced or what i, I felt some stuff was maybe a little spelled out mm. i don't know but i mean I, that's not even 
I enjoyed watching this. I enjoyed most of it. I think some of the the narration, that's why I said like that's what worked for the narration for me was seeing it from his, from his perspective, like yeah. his explanation of things. But also you get kind of a lot of his explanation on things that you can kind of already see and you want to see play out, but he just kind of tells you about stuff. But I, I don't think it really detracted from the movie. I enjoyed it. So I think this would be a book that I'd be willing to kind of check out and read. Um, I know a lot of people who read the book weren't necessarily happy with the ending, kind of the same, similar to the film. I think there there was a pretty good depiction of the book from what I read, um, of that the ending, they wanted more to his rise of power, but I don't think you really needed that. I think it showed you to the point that you needed to see. No, yeah, I liked that it was... And then it just like, it showed him later in life. You see the lengths he's willing to go through. It's it's kind of up for... Yeah, I don't think you you need to see the rest of that journey, how he made it there. He made it there. And he's, he, you know, he's got this idea of he's being the better master and, you know, of all this kind of stuff, how he looks at himself and talks about himself. I just think it's also interesting to kind of see, like, I feel like you could take this as just a, you're on his side mm-hmm. and you're following his story. But also, like, to me, he's also not exactly the good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think everybody definitely has... <laughs> Um, some sort of bad human characteristic Un- about redeeming, them. non-redeeming qualities. <laughs> yeah, the opposite of redeeming qualities. <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed but. this movie. I thought we talked about it. Depicted the class divide really well. Definitely brought some light to things that I was unaware of. Which I thought, you know, if you take anything out of this movie, just to understand, you know, how the caste system works over there, I think that's that's huge. Well, in that whole when you think about how it's all perpetuated right the whole analogy of the rooster coop throughout the whole movie right you know when you're a lower caste or you're a servant you know i don't know you know how shit it all is right but it's like you can't break out of it kind of thing no you're gonna you're just gonna sit there and continue to do it until but even then it's all tears even in the lower caste like his family all his interaction with his family and stuff to, to me too was just there's just so much well, I'm glad you brought Social up his family. stuff in this movie. Imagine having to make that decision of like, you can better your life at the same risk of putting your entire family or at the same- Basically sentencing them to death. Yes. In this scenario. Versus continuing to do what you do, potentially even be replaced or, you know, cast aside, even though you've invested 100% of yourself into serving another person and then, you know- knowing your family's going to be okay. Like, it's such a crazy concept to, to deal with or to understand. And when he's reading the article in the end of the movie, you know, 17 yeah, people Yeah, no slaughtered. idea if it's his family or not that actually. Yeah, and he even mentions, he's like, I don't know what happened to my family. That's a lot. But no, I really, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was, and we haven't really been doing a point system. <laughs> ah, shit. We'll go back through them at the end. Throughout this, but. We'll go back through them at the end because I do want to write them down. Jumping into Saturday. Uh, my last pick of the week, uh, Deep Water on Hulu. Thank you for the for the bubbles. 
My bubbles. My bubbles. He likes bubbles. Uh, Vic and Melinda Van Allen are a couple in the small town of Little Wesley. Their loveless marriage is held together only by a precarious arrangement whereby, in order to avoid the messiness of divorce, Melinda is allowed to take any number of lovers as long as she does not desert her family. Vic becomes fascinated with the unsolved murder of one of Melinda's former lovers, Malcolm McRae, and in order to successfully drive away her current fleeing, takes credit for the killing. When the real murderer is apprehended, Vic's claims are interpreted by the community as dark jokes. So I don't remember that happening at all. Like, I remember they found the body, but I don't remember them getting, like, finding a suspect. He, I mean, they talk about it, but it's not... Like, they, I remember hearing how he died. His, it he was wasn't, gunshots to the back of the head, but it was never... Yeah, but he he, it, he never got interested in that disappearance necessarily. No, so I, I wonder if that was a early stage synopsis or something in this movie. I became don't know. Something lately, else. lately, we got some weird things. I'll, I'll never forget Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> just being the completely wrong fucking... It's hard to trust these these days, but that was mostly correct. All right, uh, so this is one of the movies. It it's based on a book. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Another one based on a book. <laughs> yeah, this was one of the movies, what? Oh, this is one of the movies that I felt we could go into a segment. Uh, Scott's thoughts on this movie. My thoughts? Because I really don't know how I feel about this one. I am not far off from that. I didn't hate it. Okay, this was tough because... I wasn't expecting much. Okay. I don't think we received much, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I think it being as similar as it was to Gone Girl and having just watched Gone Girl and having Ben Affleck present for both Gone Girl and this made me kind of think, another one? Another one. But I think this kind of surprised me a little bit. It beat my expectations. Okay. Which, again, you know, all depends on how, how low you set that bar. But I think it did beat my expectations. Jess really liked it. Good movie. Um, I think it ended up about as unsatisfying as Gone Girl, but in a good way. Like, it fit the See, vibe of the movie. This felt like Gone Girl without all of the twists and It was turns. less gripping, is what I... Yeah, so what I was like, about to say is it just wasn't Like, you as... knew everything the entire time, so nothing ever really happened. There wasn't... It was less of a mystery. Gone Girl was more of a, like, a thriller. This was less of a thriller or, like, psychological thriller as it was, I've seen people say like a character study, <laughs> mm. which kind of makes sense to me. I feel like that's kind of fitting. It's just kind of a look at their fucking weird relationship. Uh, weird depending on who you are, I guess. I don't know. Well, Weird I think, to me. Okay, you brought up a good point because, you know, I thought the acting was good. But I didn't think the reactions to Ana de Arma, like sleeping around in front of her husband. Ana de Armas. Armas. I know there is, but I think if you listen to how she pronounced I don't know if there's an S when she pronounces her. Cue her saying her name here. Hello, this is Ana de Armas. Anyway. I didn't think the reactions to her sleeping around in front of her husband was genuine from the friend group, but what the hell do I know? You know, they, they address it and they're like, they're like, it's weird. But then like, everybody's just never says anything and is on board. And I felt like played into the, the kind of showing you that this isn't new, which I think is even said at some point, right? Like she's done this before. Mm-hmm. One of the friends say, like, she's done this before. You need to rein her in or something. Also that they're aware and, but they're also kind of like, don't know how to deal with it they don't because know how to he, deal, they but... know he's kind of okay with it. Yeah. Like, how would you feel if one of our friends was in this situation and we were aware of it and we had to hang out with them? You know, there's a line where you, you're not going to say anything beyond if they're okay with it. Like, we don't agree with it and that's fucking crazy and weird. 
But how do you act around that, right? It's not like you you're gonna be. This is I'm angry about this, and you need to fix this. Okay, or there's like, go one thing them. being aware kind of like, about it and understanding of whatever, like respecting their decisions, right? Right. There's another when that person is consistently flaunting all of that in front of you, Which and is, that's where I would draw the line of saying, sure. like, this is weird shit. Like your husband's right there, and you're you know making out with this dude. Sure, like, but that's I that. So I, think I don't know it's if like I even put myself in, in the situation. At that but point. but also I guess to me thinking about it, which I haven't thought about it before now, really. But like if okay, take what I just said. It would say we were in that situation. Yep. Say we were in that situation for like ten years. That's all we knew. And of only that. more recently she started being a little more ballsy with it or showing it off around us, kind of thing, like making it more obvious. Right. That's where I felt like they all they all had their scenes where they kind of pulled them aside and were like. Hey, this is kind of bothering us, but it's also very awkward and uncomfortable and weird situation. So we don't know really how to approach you with this. And they don't focus on that, right? No. But they do kind of show, I thought they did show how uncomfortable they all really kind of were, but it's just kind of like a, <laughs> what the fuck do we do about it kind of thing, right? It's such a weird... I think that's what makes this movie better than it was, is having these types of conversations around it. It's not even necessarily what happened in the film, but like almost putting yourself in an outside perspective's view as to like... Like if this was which is why i like life. character study better than because it really just kind of was look at this weird thing and how it all works and of course when you get into like okay how far-fetched is him actually getting away with killing all these people and you know like how little he was actually looked into with the whole killing the the one boyfriend in the pool kind of thing the drowning in the, or you yeah. know what i mean anyway like it did hit a point to me where i do feel like the ending and where it all went it was like him putting the wallet in the snail bin yeah I don't... two things what are the odds of her going in there and actually looking in the snail bin but also what are the odds like how fucking stupid and careless do you have to be to think i'm gonna hide this fucking person that i murdered's wallet somewhere that can easily be found if it happens to be found yeah right? i mean you hit it on the nose because like number one she has not once stepped into this garage no essentially which, which ever I once about. throughout the movie and then just nonchalantly walks in there yeah to find the wallet but like you said number two said is both like, points because you could argue that if she never goes in there like maybe he thinks it's safe in there that's why he put it in there but at the same time even if that's a thing and you're like okay she never goes in there and she went in there now of course like just to find out but also like she's gonna go digging around in the snail bins underneath the table and it wasn't amazing i thought a lot i i think the best way i could think to put it is the quality of the story degraded over time Hmm. by the end it was much lesser than it was in the middle and uh, by the middle it was on its way down from where it was in the beginning because you're being introduced to all this and it's crazy and weird and you're like what the fuck is going on and she's just being just the worst but then you start getting his take of things where up till he th- he says that he killed the other guy that was her friend right just to just to jokingly threaten the new guy because you could tell he actually was affected by it even though he's basically said he's not they give you a lot of information up to the midpoint in the movie mm-hmm. and then in the midpoint of the movie where you understand their conflict and the dynamic of the relationship then when they start trying to turn him into the more bad guy murderous whatever which is why i pointed out this was based on a book because from what i've read the book goes deeper into a lot more and there's more metaphorical type stuff like the snails are explained and are a more prevalent 
metaphor okay, well, in the I'm book. I'm glad you brought up the snails again, because my weird fact of the day. <laughs> Mitch's weird fact of the day. Ba-ba. Somebody who handles snails regularly, like a snail expert, said that Ben Affleck did a really good job handling the snails. Really? But on top of that, <laughs> after our good conversation about the wallet... <laughs> Um, I typed in the Google, do snails cause things to decompose? So I was wondering if that could have been something. Um, Both shelled snails and slugs can generally be categorized as decomposers. But isn't that like... So how do snails help with decomposition? Land snails spend most of their time in the leaf litter layer. There they consume the dead and decaying vegetation, helping to decompose it. So I don't know if that was part of everything, is that eventually over time things would disappear with like, the snails that's a long fucking it's time. a long fucking time as opposed to like just burning it like which Hanna de armis did just <laughs> threw it in a fire yeah but i don't know maybe like i said i think that'd be interesting to know i'm, I'm not going to read the book but i think it'd be interesting to know from the novel side of things the impact that snails had with that character it was yeah it was more of a metaphorical thing and from what i briefly read the the snails more played into his controlling obsessions redirected since he couldn't control her and he also apparently is like obsessed with their mating rituals interesting which so like there's more to his kind of psyche which i think is why the end of the movie for me here didn't work as well of him kind of taking that turn is because there wasn't enough development of his character and his kind of he's going crazy in the background also yeah i think that's something that the movie didn't do really good with anybody is providing enough either backstory about a character or giving you enough context to understand motivations or you could look at ana darmas and say she did what she did because she felt free to express herself or she never could with ben affleck as her husband but there's got to be more yeah i guess it is even though it is technically explained it is still fairly shallow because i would i I would even say like if you didn't read the synopsis i would have no idea there was a arrangement that she was allowed to take lover that's i think that's pretty heavily to avoid divorce though. though i think that's pretty heavily well implied. i mean they even mentioned divorce in the movie and it's you know he's like oh do you want a divorce now it seems like it's been on the table yet like they both still choose to live in this situation and it's not for any well, reason they're like using it against each other too like they're both manipulating the fuck out of each other in like the most ridiculous awful ways like i feel like i I mean i do think that that they showed enough of that to convey that i know but like what is the reason to avoid the divorce like there's nothing really on the kid yeah they have a kid but it doesn't seem like ana de armis really was that great of a mother true i mean whereas ben affleck was a pretty good father from the representation of the movie yes that's true. So it's like, yeah, like we could go our separate ways. You could go visit mom every now and then and I'll take care of you and type I'm, thing. I'm wondering how much of that is like the cutting for the screenplay, right? Where you have to, because the first half of the movie really tries to build up Ben Affleck as not in the wrong and not a bad guy and not. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how much of the parenting and some of the stuff they showed was was just in an effort to really drive that he's good father. He's good. Be on his side before he starts killing people. Before the reveal. Right? And be against her because she's crazy. But then when they start to try and transition a little to both bring him down to equals, you never really... She never really gets lifted up. He only gets kind of brought down some. Yeah. In my mind. Which I'm I'm guessing the book probably does. Hmm. The book probably brings him more on equal ground because that's just how a story to me of this nature would 
probably go. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't read the book, so I don't know. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, overall, it, it wasn't nearly as bad as the Adam Project for me, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't think it was terrible. I just, I didn't really know how I felt coming out of it because I watched it and like you said, I read some things afterwards just to kind of formulate my own thoughts, try to figure out what I felt. And even after that, I still didn't really know what I what I felt like they barely go into you don't find out till like what halfway through the movie that like he doesn't have a job because he retired because he made a bunch of money and like there's one little conversation around the moral acceptance of what he got his money from which is a chip in a drone that essentially kills people but I don't know if that necessarily even needed to be there because they never touch on it again and it doesn't or well, does that drive into his factor up, that he's willing to kill somebody it sets up i don't know that's an interesting take on it and i wouldn't i wouldn't personally take it that way but i could see that being maybe like if he's willing to create a, a chip for a drone that that's its intended purpose what's maybe his him? morals aren't quite as but i mean i also feel like i'd wager it's true for a lot of technology that the people who designed it didn't design it for the military before it was used by the military kind yeah. of thing, right? So generally thinking of it that way, I didn't take it as that. I took it more as setting up the dislike between him and the, the neighbor, Don, who is the one who hires the PI and like he's the one who actually believes him so it's more of a that plot he killed point. yeah I took it more as he they, they're getting to know each other he explains what's going on but that's where you're like oh, Don's staunchly against killing of the whatever right he's that guy and he holds that against him and he's like I don't like this guy because I don't agree with his how he made his money and also the fact that like this guy I don't know depending on who you are I guess I think it's petty as fuck personally and I feel like that plays into don's personality mm -hmm. as well where he does seem like a very petty guy so that when which also i think works when he goes to accuse him of killing the guy in the pool where he's also not fully taken as seriously because he's kind of that guy you know what i mean and also they they put up where he vic has the ben affleck has a connection with his wife yeah so it's like the the kind of turning tables i took it more as like setting all of that up interesting than anything else I mean, that makes a lot of sense as to like, it's there to drive that wedge between the two characters and to set up more of the story down the road. But yeah, I just didn't know because like, you know, towards the end of the film, like I guess you could start to think, yeah, divorce is on the table because they don't like the relationship that they have with each other, but they also enjoy the fuck out of the relationship that they have with each other. That's kind of like the, the Gone Girl vibe too, is they're both miserable, but that's also driving it's both like of them together. It's like the most them. toxic fucking relationship imaginable. And by the end, it just like they accept it and it works out. And that's why it's such an unsatisfying movie. Because <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? Uh, I don't know. Benny yeah. Boy just loves these fucked role playing, these fucked up relationships. Apparently. <laughs> mm. But I think one thing we can agree on with this movie is that Grace Jenkins, who plays Trixie, their daughter, is freaking adorable. She really is adorable. And the the scene in the credits at the end of the movie where she's singing the song in the car, which is just a total tone shift from the whole movie. Yeah, thank God. But that is like the most adorable thing ever. And that's what I was sitting there smiling and Jess looked over and was like, I was like, I don't want fucking daughters. I couldn't do it. I'd be putty. 
I would be putty in their hands. Whatever you want (laughs) is yours. (laughs) She would be a daddy's girl. Yeah, I'm very indifferent about this one. I think I would like to think about it more, but I won't get the chance to just because we're going to, you know, watch more movies. It is the nature of the beast. But going into another (laughs) indifferent movie, um, not because of maybe the movie, but maybe because of the experience or a combination of both. Hard to tell. I don't Uh, speak Japanese. (laughs) That's a reference to last week. Callback. Uh, but we watched in the theaters the new A24 film, X. So in 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas, but when their reclusive elderly host catch them in the act, the cast finds themselves fighting for their lives. Allow me. Oh, I have one thing, and then you can go all about it. Go ahead. (laughs) As we mentioned earlier, unfortunately, we did not see this in Dolby, but we did see the audience commentary version. Our theater experience was shit. So bad. Um, and we talked a little a little bit about everything that I'm reading through my notes, I had to say, in the intro. But so this was a small theater with a bunch of people that either didn't seem like they really were that interested in the movie, like to the point they were so bored by the end, they were just browsing Instagram by the third act, mm-hmm. or a group of people that they had never seen a scary movie before, had never been in a situation where they were expected to be quiet. And always go to the view house every Friday and Saturday night, talk loud enough for the whole upstairs and downstairs to hear them and drink a few too many sex on the beaches. Yeah, this was absolutely insane. <laughs> That's how, the kind of people. Can you picture that person? How bad these people. these people were. Because first off, like Scott said, this was a small theater. So what, 40 seats maybe? Maybe. Let's just conservatively say 40 seats. Sure. There was five people who walked in late to this movie. So Individually. Individually walked in late. Like not five people in a group that were just all happened, like they got, they arrived late. No, five individual fucking people that walked in after the movie had started, 36 minutes after the trailers had played. So this is like upwards of 40 minutes after the movie start time, these people fucking walked in. So yeah, just, you can do the math as far as what, you know, eight of, or five of 40 is, right? That's a large portion of or percentage wise of people who came in late to this movie i saw at least three different cell phones i saw multiple smartwatches go off for notifications there's probably about five different conversations and two running conversations during this movie i wish i could say like i liked what i saw of this film but then half of or probably three quarters of it i don't even remember because i couldn't not focus on the fucking people in front of me and to my right who would not stop talking about everything. And there was some sort of comment that had to be made about either every line shot or whatever they i don't even know if they were talking about the movie half the time might have just been catching up with friends that is what it seemed like but regardless i was of two that, seats away from her <laughs> regardless sure of that didn't sound like movie talk i walked to me. out and i pretty much told myself theater etiquette is officially dead like it's just a sad day and <laughs> i know it's been dead but this is like this I is just, our official stance now. This is my realization. We're not, not going to bitch about it anymore because it's just a fact of life this now. This is apparently. my realization. But I did tell myself I, I never want to see a non-Dolby movie again because those experiences are a little better. Number th- one, because I think the sound will mask any of the conversation happening. Yeah, it helps a lot. Um, number two, it's a, just a more expensive ticket, so people aren't willing to maybe talk during it because they've spent more money. Or pay as much to go see it in Dolby even, to hire 
ticket to entry. At one point, I wish I had a laser pointer that had like text on it that I could shine on the screen that said, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like I just wanted to just like, anytime someone talked, just shine the laser Dude, pointer. She put, I have paras. I'm not even going to get into that. I have parosmia. Things smell weird from having COVID four months ago going on. So movie theaters are tough for me right now, regardless, because popcorn is one of the most disgusting smelling things ever, right? And I'm, I don't hold this against her because it's not anyone else's problem and I choose to go there, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But I knew at the beginning it was going to be a tough movie because she got a, a large popcorn bucket and she put it on the seat, the empty seat in between us. So it was like I was holding my nose for the first half of the movie. Eventually, I kind of adjusted. But like I, my point of saying all this is that there was a bucket of popcorn next to me at all times. Do you know the internal strength that it took to not take that bucket, dump it on her, and then throw it at the people in front of us who were on their phone the whole fucking time? <laughs> One swift motion would have solved all our problems. <laughs> and I hate that like... We have to be those people. Yeah. But you know, not everybody in there can have that same attitude, right? No, I don't think anyone else was. We walked by a group of people that were sitting on the opposite corner of the like front corner of where we were. We were back left. They were front right. And they were talking about, they were happy that other people were like talking and didn't like the movie as much because they didn't like the movie. I think that's just a thing that people just, if they don't like the movie, it doesn't fucking matter about anyone else. Whether or not I like the movie is irrelevant to me. I'm not going to ruin the movie for other people. I didn't like Death on the Nile, so I took a nap. I'm not going to fucking talk about it the whole goddamn movie. But we've, we've, we've talked this into the ground before, right? We had a whole, I made a whole little song. Like I'm sick of being angry at this because it's just, like you said, it's just, it's now just it is what it is. It is it what sucks. it is. But it sucks and I think it's ridiculous and I hope that one day we make it big and have just buttloads of cash flowing out of our assholes and we buy our own theater and we advertise the hell out of it and we don't let anyone in and only we can watch movies in it. But it's just something that we have to accept. We are not those people and there are more of those people that go to the theaters that we go to at least than there are us. And, and it to is be what fair, it is. we both gave it the benefit of the doubt. I think it was I about tried. I think it was about halfway through is when we both kind of hit our breaking point. Because yeah. up until that point like okay yeah they've said some things whatever maybe after they get it out of their system they're just going to shut up and watch the movie but that never happened it was just it was non-stop and i'm getting really close to like saying something and i don't want to be that confrontational person but like i know you even stopped the rest of us and i i mean i appreciate that let's talk about the movie I'm further confused on this one, even even regardless of the situation. You said you liked what you saw of it, so I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. Convince me. I'll, I mean, I'll try. <laughs> I got Fear Street vibes from this movie. Okay. Number one, I just thought the way that the movie had played out versus if you had stayed for the end credits, which I made Scott do, and I asked him if it was worth staying, and he gave me a very quick nope. I, I mean, <laughs> but that was also I mean, different. But more of like probably the experience impacted. He that didn't. A lot. He held me back from telling the people, "Thank you for narrating the whole movie. Have a good night," which I'd been thinking about the whole movie anyway. <laughs> Um, regardless, in the end credits, they introduce a prequel, you know, the main, the old lady, it's her younger self and kind of how she got there, but it's played by, what's her name? The same main actress. Same main actress in this film, Mia something, I think. I don't know. Mia Goth. Goth. So I got vibes from, maybe it was like the the way the story was told and the way, like, it just felt like an X-rated Fear Street to me. I liked the deaths that the movie depicted and uh redditor on our movies kind of 
said that almost every death, if not every death, was foreshadowed in some way by either something that they said or a a shot of something. Hmm. So like an example of that would be like Brittany Snow. When she first walks out, the first shot of her that we see, she walks out of the strip club and behind her is a woman in a bikini with an alligator like ripping off of her clothes. And then she ends up getting mauled by alligators later in the film or crocodiles. I don't know the distinction between the two. Okay. Other things like I think uh, who's the main girl's boyfriend? The guy who was coordinating the whole porno? Yeah. I don't remember his name. Um, He said something like it will poke your eyes out or something like that earlier in the film. Then he ends up getting his eyes poked out with like a one of the long metal fork. I don't know. Pitchfork. Pitchfork. There it is. <laughs> we got there, boys. Mitch has never been on a farm before. I lived in Montana for four <laughs> years. <laughs> He's been on lots of farms. That's the joke. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think, like I said, what I saw of it, I enjoyed, but what was hard about it was there was so much commentary around the entire film, as well as these drawn out over exaggerated reactions to everything in the film that made you want to dislike it. And I feel like if I watch this again, I don't know if like those feelings would come back from just my experience or if like I would actually just have a genuine good time. Watch the movie. Yeah. watching kind of a slasher film, you know, like this is 1970s early filmmakers wanting to make it big in the porn industry because of Debbie Does Dallas is something they even mentioned in the film. And they just end up at the wrong spot. Like the motivations for things were really weird. Yeah. Like the old woman as to why she, she's not getting laid essentially. So she just wants to kill anybody who is getting laid and is flaunting it. And Well, they don't really even explain much of that and why she's actually. Which is fine. Like, I don't I think. I mean, is it really intended to be, it's just pent up sexual tension makes her kill all of them? Well, I think that's, again, going into the prequel of you know her actual motivations behind things and her you know she wants to be the center of attention and stardom and you know she's lost all of that and she's you know jealous of these young women who have that and i get it and i don't think it really worked for me i don't know like i said i'm confused on this one because obviously our theater experience was ass and who knows how much of that bleeds into either of our opinions on the movie but i think this kind of sucked for me and i mean the the premise is it's two 90 year olds kill a group of young people shooting a porno on their farm Mm mm-hmm that's that's the basic backbone of it, right? It wasn't scary. It was about as predictable as any slasher movie that was made since the slasher movie became a thing. I I mean, the acting from the main group was pretty good. I thought the acting was good. I thought the cinematography was mostly pretty good. There were some weird shots that I didn't understand. They were a stylized thing, and I'm sure they meant something, but I didn't get the whole flipping back and forth. 10 times yeah that was kind of from scene to scene was kind of just drawn out and i maybe it served a purpose i didn't get it i had a couple laughs a couple good laughs but i think that's about it and i mean currently this has a 96 percent on rotten tomatoes and i don't personally understand how i saw a good bit of ty west this is a ty west movie Mm -hmm. by the way I saw a good bit of quote unquote Ty West did the classics right, but also took it in his own direction kind of stuff. But what I don't, what was the, that innovative direction? I don't, was it the old people having sex? Like that shit seemed so, it felt so gimmicky to me. Like, haha, gross. But it, it, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, it sure grossed out the basic bitches sitting around us. So, I mean, you know, maybe it worked for that crowd, but I don't know. It, it's kind of similar to the last Ty West movie that we just watched 
a few weeks ago in a valley of violence where the movie didn't necessarily seem bad, but just something felt off about it to me. Like it was, I could see this being like a satire almost. And I think it would make more sense in my head to me if it was kind of satire, but I've seen no one look at it through that lens. So I have no indication that this has any remote intention of being satire. Okay, so... So I think I may just not be a Ty West fan. <laughs> I think that might be I mean, the that, conclusion. Or, I mean, you could obviously have your own interpretation and not follow that's the true. masses and that's just true. say that's what you thought this film was. That's true. And maybe you would enjoy it better. I was reading one of the IMDb ratings... 10 out of 10. This movie gives horror fans everything they want in a horror movie. But this yep. movie is directed Geriatric by sex. Ty West, who is the House of the Devil director. Stars Mia Goth from Suspiria. Jenna Ortega from Scream. Brittany Snow Everything from Pitch else. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Kid Cudi was in this film. Yeah. From Don't Look Up. I don't remember him in Don't Look Up. Kid Cudi was in Don't Look Up? That's what they're saying. Oh, was he the... He was Ariana Grande's boyfriend, right? Oh, yeah. It's just he played himself. The one himself. that he cheated or whatever and then yeah. proposed. Um, <laughs> Martin Henderson is the guy we were talking about. Uh, He's yeah. from The Ring. Like, The Ring? Really? He's the... He's the, the boy, guy? Boyfriend, right? Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't recognize And then Owen Campbell, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which I've never heard of that movie. But, yeah. I love everything about this movie. How can you not... Like a slasher porno movie, the review goes on. The storyline is excellent and unfolds perfectly. See, I, I don't know. Like, I miss so much of the storyline. It's not hard to follow what happens. Like, no. you understand everything that happens. It just... I would want to watch this again. I would give it another shot. I would watch it by myself or with a group of people I know won't talk during trust, the movie. We'll shut the fuck up. And we yeah. could have a few <laughs> drinks and throw it on and just... Talk about it after, see what happens. Sure. Yeah, and we might have our quips about it during it, right? Our little one-liners, but well, look, there's some. Funny that's shit in an that environment happens. you can laugh. That's in an a environment movie. that's allowed to have those conversations. But in the theater, like you just you can't do that. And I don't know. I'm I'm kind of indecisive on this one too because again, I'm trying to appreciate what I saw, but it's so it's yeah. clouded with all of the negativity of the theater experience that it's just it's it's tough. Well, and hey, we I think lately have because we've gotten really deep into some of the movies have kind of forgotten. I think we forget at times that this whole thing is really we started doing this for the experience too yeah and that's something where we're now i mean even in the beginning we weren't seeing a theater movie a week no and we have been the last almost month i think maybe more pretty much since january i think we've been in the theaters we've tried to do a theater so movie two a week and a half at least three months almost yeah and so i mean this is just something where maybe we did, we haven't had any really complaints about anything in that amount of time. We haven't had an experience like this. So maybe it truly is Dolby's just better for us. I mean, we don't notice the noise as much. It's a bigger theater. You're guaranteed, right? They don't have tiny Dolby theaters. And also, I don't know. I mean, we we know going on a Saturday night is not ideal. ideal. Because you're going to have people who were just going out looking for something fun, quote unquote, to do. And like I said, I don't know why these girls didn't just go to View House because, you know, that's where they ended up afterward. But like, I well, I, and I, I think this is <laughs> a I'm nice, I think this is a nice circle to where we started and to where we're going to end today. So that wraps up our movies of the week. And since we didn't really do a scale of our rating scale, let's yeah, we uh, that go up ahead and uh, 
chat about that. So, so mayhem. 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 One out of one for me. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I'm going to give this a one as well. This was fun nominal. That is with fun an F-U-N. Nominal. Fun nominal. <laughs> Two points for mayhem. <laughs> the Adam Project. <sighs> You can say That's it. That's tough, man. I don't know, because, I mean, if you... I give it a zero. <laughs> that was a real quick turnaround. <laughs> one for you? Um, I'm actually on the fence on this one. I'm trying to think... I think what really... What it would come down to is if this movie was on, would I sit down to watch it? That's kind of an interesting way to look at it, yeah. Like, I think if somebody in the household was just playing this movie, would yeah. I just be like... Hey, I'll sit down yeah, and watch I'll this sit down. You. Yeah, I don't think it was bad enough to warrant me not sitting down. So I just, like, I would I would have give to it give a it a one, one on that yeah. scale that I, you know, it would it has a rewatchable... One's fair. Yeah. Uh, Riders of Justice. Uh, definitely a one. One's... <laughs> Two for Riders. Uh, in the Heat of the Night. Definitely a one. Definitely, yep. Two for Heat in the Heat of the Night. The White Tiger. Yeah, I would have to say a one again. I really enjoyed the movie, but at the same time, it was... See, look, that's where you're... you're, uh, Would I sit down and watch it again? Yeah, I know everything that happens. I probably wouldn't watch it again, but... It's not a bad movie. I'd say if you're looking for something interesting to watch, yeah. Um, Deep Water, I feel like I would say, yeah, depending on what you're looking for. So I guess this would be my zero then. Yeah. Not saying I have to have a zero, but yeah, I don't know if... I just didn't think anything was really stand out in this movie. That's it just fair. felt like a drama with no suspense. Oof. Everything was I'm trying like... to think of a joke to, to <laughs> say with that, like how you put suspense in drama, but I, I don't know. <laughs> X. So this one. <laughs> That's a tough one. No, this one's actually a one for me in the sense of I want to watch it again to yeah, actually but... get an idea as to what I actually think about it. But then I would have to use that new watching to actually give it a to one or a zero. One. But I feel like Do I Do you need... want to go halvesies? <laughs> we both. <laughs> we both just give half a point so we can give it a one, but it doesn't get two. Perfect. <laughs> we'll give it a one. I don't know, man, because I really wouldn't. I mean, I would give it. I would give it another shot, but I probably wouldn't on my own. If you were like, hey, I want to watch X again and try it, like, you know, so let's watch it one night where, I don't know, whatever, we're hanging out and you're just like, let's watch a movie that isn't our movie of the day. That would never fucking happen. But no. say that would happen. Like, I would sit down and watch it with you and give it another shot. But I probably wouldn't on my own. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Because I just don't think I... This is a tough one to This kind is of... when the people ruined... The people versus Scott and Mitch at the movies. <laughs> Uh, that's a, yeah. I'll, uh, you want to do the halvesies? Yeah, we can do it's the halvesies. half one. I, I don't think it was awful. So you also have to remember that our scale is out of seven because we take the average of our two scores. Well, I mean, it's out of 14 and then we just Divided do some by fractional two. math. <laughs> so I want to know what the, did you tally it up? Yeah. All right. So what is our number out of so 14? F- for the week, we are 11 out of 14. 11 out of 14. That's so pretty huge. Five and a half out of seven on the week. It's pretty huge. That's not too shabby. Definitely not our worst, but definitely not no Oscars week. Uh, no. What was Oscars? Seven out of seven. We did we did give ones to all of them. All of them. Did but, we? But it was also justifiable because they're Oscars movies. So That's true. Hopefully they are getting a one out of one rating from us. Well, you know what? You know, I had mentioned earlier. You know, not every movie is going to make a Dolby. Yeah. theater and I don't want to necessarily limit myself to what I'm going to see because that's what Dolby is willing to play for us but we don't have to never see it we just can't see it 
in right theaters. Away. And that's where, you know, you start to weigh, okay, would I rather wait a few months yeah. and pay to rent it and watch it at my house where I know at least I'll sit and watch it. Maybe it's not a big screen and great sound and whatever. But honestly, like you were joking about earlier, now that we've seen so many Dolby movies, every time we see a non-Dolby movie, it's just, it doesn't even feel worth it. It's not even the same. Yeah. And maybe we're, you know, sitting high on our, on our pedestals or whatever you want to <laughs> say. I mean, say. we have been spoiled. Sure. But I mean, you know, if you're going to pay for A-list, might as well take advantage of A-list and see the highest end movie that you're able to see sure. with that subscription, you know? I would even go as far to say, if you're going to pay for a movie ticket. Pay for a good experience. Which are now yeah. not cheap, even if you don't go, I mean, unless you're going to a matinee. Five dollar favorite or yeah, whatever, like where they're intentionally lower priced. But a regular movie ticket, if we were paying for it, is still like fourteen dollars. So what's four more dollars or five more dollars to go out and have a good experience and see a movie with good sound and good quality screen and not be as intruded on by others' lack of being decent humans? Like I don't know. I have no idea. It's an interesting take on the value of what we're doing here. And I think this will be good though to kind of maybe not for both of us, but I am going to kind of track to see what's coming out and see like even if it's possible for me to see it in a Dolby experience. Yeah. Um, because like we said, you know, for the last three weeks, Batman has held that theater for every single showing. Sometimes they'll sprinkle in one showing of something, but X was never a movie that X, I don't think got was even a single Dolby, Dolby release release, or Dolby at least showing. at our theaters, right? It Here, could have been yeah. different somewhere else. Moving into this following week, the lost, what is it called? The, the lost city. The Lost City. We're not 100% certain if we're going to see that or not. But that is the Dolby movie, right? That's That's kind of like we were talking about. It's kind of on a rotation of like every week there's a new Dolby film. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it's going to be something that, you know, we want to see. But for these situations like X, which I think is a movie we both wanted to see, whether it lived up to those expectations or not. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard to justify going into that regular theater experience, knowing that we could have a similar situation as to what happened to us previous this week, what happened to us in last night in Soho, what happened to us previous before the podcast. Like we all have that bad negative theater experience, right? Everybody has it. So, you know, I just, I'd have to look at the numbers, but you're right. We, you know, we've been in Dolby for the last like Two and a half months. Well, the only movie we didn't see in Death Dolby in, recently was Death, Death on, the on the Nile. And that didn't bother me. It let me sleep. If it was in Dolby, well, maybe it would have woke me up. Well, no, the only thing that happened in that movie was the one gunshot. So, <laughs> <laughs> or the two gunshots. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, this is an experience. Um, and, you know, I don't think a lot of people can say that they probably even go to a theater movie a week. Oh, God, no. No, if we weren't paying, if A-list didn't exist and we weren't like committed to doing this thing. Yeah, there's no way. (laughs) Shit. There's like no way. (laughs) This is $20 a week? Yeah, that's that's (laughs) crazy to be paying that much money. Yeah, I mean, that wraps it up. That was that week. It was another week. We got some, uh, I think we got some fun stuff. I know we've said this before, but we've, we've slowly been getting it all together. But we have some weeks planned. We have a Nick Cage two week in the future. 
for the release of you know, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Where Nick Cage plays Nick Cage yeah, in a movie starring Nick Cage. April 22nd, that comes out, I believe, and that'll be week 27 for us. All Nick Cage movies again, and we may have a we may have a guest that week as well, so that'll be pretty sweet. Um, and even before then, we may have another guest and maybe foreign movie week. And we've got we've got ideas. We got ideas. We do have ideas. We're, we got these memes things we're, we're having fun with. We're gonna try and put out there and... somewhere. Yep. But um, as always, thanks for tuning in, checking us out. Uh, check us out on Instagram and call back to week one. Twitter, Twitter, maybe, yeah, because I, I think we're slowly realizing that TikTok might not be for us older folks. So we were advised to use TikTok for the exposure, but when you don't put shit out that people on TikTok want to see, then it doesn't really matter, does it? We'll I don't see know, what whatever. happens. Either way, Instagram <laughs> and TikTok at NDNM Podcast, or you can reach out to us at NDNM Podcast at gmail.com. But Thanks way, for listening. Have a great week, and we'll catch you in the next one after the Oscars. Oh yeah, we'll talk about Oscars next week. One, two, three. Okay, bye. bye. There you have it. <laughs> there it is. Do you want to know our, uh, I set up a little thing to feed into our pick points so far. Okay. Do you want to know our pick points so far? Kind of like. I did not. Your picks versus my picks. Yeah. And the ratings. Like who's got points. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess I would rather find out earlier because it won't be as bad as later, I guess. Well, I feel like we're going to. Or this will be gonna the We're going to level out. This will be the most. No, you, you know you pick bangers. <laughs> and I oh, pick thanks, and I pick movies that are presented to me. <laughs> I put it in a pie chart <laughs> just to make it real easy to, to digest. Oh, there's a pie chart. <laughs> Sick. That this might be something we post so you all can see. The green is me. Oh fuck. <laughs> Jesus. His his portion of the pie is like sixty seven percent. It is fifty seven point nine percent actually. I have eleven points. You have five points, and our agreed movies have three points. <laughs> I'm beating our You're agreed better movies, than the movies, but we I also get together. I also get three times as many choices as our agreed <laughs> movies. The funny part is, um, as of so after after the first week we did this, I had five points, and you had one point, nice. and our agreed movie got a two. So. <laughs> Just, See, know, I could have given myself. I could have given myself more points, and I could have said Deep Water was a one. But I am an I honest. I am an honest reviewer, <laughs> and I'm going to stay true to myself and not not ruin the integrity of the podcast. Integrity, integrity. <laughs> it's true. We both have opt like Beyond the Black Rainbow was my pick technically, and yeah. I didn't give it a one. Yeah, you know we're not. We're not playing. Uh, we're not playing games here. We're not playing favorites. We're real here at, at New Day, New Movie. We're real hard. We we go real hard.